If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Boy, wouldn't it be embarrassing if you went live just as I was saying a sentence like fanny flaps? Oh, no, not fanny, fanny flaps. Ooh, that's hard to say. Is it? Fanny yeah. flaps? Fanny flaps, fanny, fanny flaps, flaps, fanny flaps, fanny flaps, fanny flaps. I, I don't oh, know. Seems quite, uh, seems quite to flow off the tongue to me. If you say that five times in front of a mirror, then you'll summon fanny flaps. It's much like Bloody Mary or uh, Candyman. Sounds like a Victorian-era cleaning lady. Oh, shit, we're live. Hello, hello loves. <laughs> hello, loves. I'm Fanny Flaps, and I've come to take care of your gutters. I don't like her at all. I don't like her at all. Hi, everyone. We're live, apparently. I hope you enjoyed that little uh, banter there. I'm Yati Crochet. I'm joined by Marty Sleeve. Hey, everybody. And this is Slightly Something Else. And we're tackling the subject of World War II, which has come mm -hmm. up for the slightly obvious reason that we've been playing Call of Duty Vanguard this week. We have, yeah. First time World War II has ever been represented in a video game. Now, I don't think that's true. Uh, uh, it might. It, is it literally probably the most represented setting? I'd say so. Yeah. I mean, that's the point, isn't it? I mean, yeah. That's the question in the title. How many times can we play through World War II? Will it ever stop being interesting? Or more to the point, will it ever stop selling? <laughs> well, I think this one will sell just fine. Probably. Yeah. Well, just if we were just answering the question of why World War II keeps coming up in shooters, I'd say there's a couple of obvious answers to that. First one being, it's the last war where the US were unequivocally the good guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very, uh, if, if video games are, uh, most video game stories, especially in like the big uh, mass market AAA mold, uh, are they, they paint their stories with a pretty broad brush, I would yeah. say. Um, and and uh, World War II is an easy story to paint with a broad brush. Certainly. I mean, it's, yeah. it's the war with the best narrative, I suppose. There's the baddies. They're really, really bad. Mm -hmm. And here's us. We're the goodies. We're really, really good. Mm -hmm. Except yeah. Russia, they're sort of on the fence, and they'll be pretty bad after this. But for yeah. now, they're the goodies. Yeah, Russia's like, uh, it's like Venom from Spider-Man, where it's yeah. like sort of like, a, yeah, a little bit of a like, a, ooh, is that, are they going to turn on us at some point? That is it's exactly what they are like. You should bring up that comparison as much as you can. I will. Absolutely. The Kids Russians love Venom. are Venom from Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, it's also World oh, War II, uh, World War II lends itself to the like, uh, stereotypical uh, video game levels of like how you have a fire level and an ice level because World <laughs> War II had like a yeah. desert level and a jungle level and city levels and well yeah I was always going to argue that uh, that the World War II is probably the last decent war where the action was between ground level troops the way a first person shooter is yeah. If you look at like more modern wars, most of them are about who can develop the biggest bomb that will fire the mm -hmm. furthest distance. Yeah. Or create like an AI drone that someone's controlling from a thousand miles away that'll, you know, carpet bomb some stranger's country. 
So obviously World War II is going to keep coming up. <laughs> but um, is there a point where it stops having its impact, I suppose? I mean, they say like, you know, comedy is tragedy plus time. There's got to be a point where something was long ago enough that it doesn't really yeah. have the, the same poignant messaging that um, appeals to the audiences of today. Well, yeah, I mean, we're we're reaching a point where, you know, with every day there are fewer uh, living veterans of World War II, and we're going to hit a point in our lifetimes where there will be no hmm. living veterans of World War II. So it'll hit that point almost like in the 80s, what like the Civil War would have been like, I guess, um, yeah. to Americans, where it's distant enough or like the, you know, the Lincoln assassination to where it's distant enough to where there's sort of generations between then and now, whereas, you know, we don't have that with uh, Vietnam or, or Desert Storm or the, you know, the wars in the Middle East over the past 20 years. And of course, uh, world, apparently World War II was uh, long enough ago that people have forgotten how bad Nazis are. Those make a bit yeah. of a comeback, aren't they? <laughs> How did that happen? Oh, dear. <laughs> What's old is new again. Of course, what modern like World War Two games are doing now is they're sort of uh, how how much do we want to get into this? They're sort of revising history a little bit to be more appealing to modern audiences. Yeah, yeah, they're they're playing certain notes differently to uh, resonate. Uh, yeah, you know, seventy five years into the future. How awkward do we feel about bringing up gender and race diversity? In World War One and World War Two fighters, as presented in more recent World War One and World War Two games. Uh, well, I personally think it makes the games more interesting to do that. You know, whether they're if you're only pulling from a small subset, like I think at least in this, if we're talking about Call of Duty Vanguard, and we won't go into you know big spoilers or anything, but uh, mm -hmm. I think the most interesting character is the the Russian sniper played by Laura Bailey. I think her not only is her story the most interesting, but I think mechanically. Her levels are the most interesting, um, mm. and so yeah, I, and and it felt her story just felt a little different compared to sort of the rest. The rest of the game felt very um, greatest hits, yeah, of been, World War Two. I'd say I have like played that, but I haven't finished the whole game. But I've played like the, mm. Rus the Russian ladies bit. Yeah, there's definitely more of an element of tragedy in her story, and that mm -hmm. itself feels a bit weird to have any kind of tragedy in like a video game portrayal of the Second World War. Cause, yeah, yeah, because obviously it was very tragic, all the death and like horror. But video mm -hmm. games shooter almost inherently has this air of you know glory and victory and stuff, which which most of the rest of the game plays up to. Everyone yeah, being and, like glory and glorious, and uh, all very glib about things. Yeah, that glibness—it definitely uh, you could tell the game. And I guess to just say it, I like—I actually enjoyed the Vanguard campaign. It's—it's uh, it's very short, which um, I very much appealed to me. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to play the multiplayer, the zombies, or anything. But the, um, I feel the like I might as well play the zombies. I'm going to play this week. <laughs> But if there's uh, like what well, I think last week we were talking about Guardians of the Galaxy, which uh, uh, um, felt like it outstayed its welcome a little bit or was a little bit long in the tooth. Mm -hmm. um, whereas this was a game that it was over and I could have still gone for a little bit more, but it wasn't like I'd rather leave a meal still being a tad bit hungry than, you know, feeling like a, a, a complete monster who has to be like rolled home in a wheelbarrow. Mm. 
uh, it's uh, hard to find the right balance, I suppose. Yeah. You want to end your yeah. dinner party with a bit of food left so you know everyone left hungry. Exactly, exactly. But <laughs> specifically, like, relating to, like, making like the main characters gender and race diverse to more appeal to modern audience on the one hand that's just basically the same thing that hamilton did where they cast the main cast members as uh black or hispanic actors because it more reflects demographics of a modern america mm -hmm. but on the other hand there's something about it that feels a bit icky to me it makes me feel a bit we have always been at war with eurasia you know what i mean like we are the goodies, and therefore we have all the goodies are progressive, and therefore we have always been progressive. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's one of the strange things about World War Two, right? Is that, like you said, it almost was the last time, uh, uh, from a broad level, that it, it felt like the the war was a very clear cut thing. Mm. But then afterwards, in the U.S., things weren't just magically perfect i mean the civil rights movement is is yeah, a clear yeah, sign yeah. of that and yeah. and you know the past 70 years is a clear sign of that so um yeah because i was it, i was i was like watching out for this while playing vanguard i was i was watching out i've I got to the bit where the battle of midway and i was specifically mm -hmm. looking at all the characters around around me going are any black characters here are any black characters here that would be very wrong that would be very not history uh, i guess main, are we the main like british soldier is black and that's yeah. slightly less iffy there were a lot of uh soldiers from all over the empire fighting the second world war especially to initially a lot of them were just like you know tolerated for like non-combat duties towards the end more of them were in combat roles just because you know we needed all the help we could get mm -hmm. but i still think like you know all the white characters around the black characters seem a bit like too open to being commanded by them in the ways that they probably wouldn't have been at the time. I hate to talk about this because you know this is the the talking point for the right wing shit fits of the world. Yeah, at the moment. But you know, I think well, there's something sacred about history, and you shouldn't be used to, as um, ways to just big up your own country. But at the at the same time, like I don't think this is striving to be a accurate historical document. Well, thank like, goodness I, for that. Yeah, I think the, uh, you know, I, I think one of the clear inspirations here is uh, Inglorious Bastards, the the Quentin Tarantino movie um, that has, you know, it sort of treats history uh, as like a, as a fable or as like a myth. Um, mm. And so for me, it's fine with that in the same way, like. Uh, I don't know, uh, swapping characters in The Green Knight and having Sir Gawain being played by uh, Dev Patel. Like, that's totally fine with me. And it, I, I understand where you're coming from, where it's strange because it is only a stone's throw away in terms of history. Um, but if you're going to do something interesting with it, which I think some of the side stories in this game do, then I'm fine with it. I do feel there is an attitude um, from which a lot of uh, negativity comes that racism wasn't a big deal in the past. And this sort of thing might be sort of feeding that attitude I mean, yeah you know now we're getting to all like sticky debates about what is the responsibility of art towards the uh, uh, things yeah to portray history like through a lens that is 100 accurate as opposed to um well I, I, you, know, you know you know what faster just stop talking about it it's just a it's there's just they just picked a setting for their action shooter that makes sense for action shooters yeah it's it's funny world war ii also to me almost feels like uh 
a benchmark in the same way that uh, racing games are in terms of technology with video games. It feels like since, I guess, the original Medal of Honor, maybe, or even the original Call of Duty, every generation we're getting a new first-person World War II shooter to sort of be like, oh, look how far graphics have come along now. Uh, like, look, yeah. and I remember Call of Duty 2 on the uh, 360, at the 360 launch, was like, I think at the time, one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. It had the like volumetric smoke grenades and everything. And so it feels like a, a, a line of demarcation every time we get one every few years that it's like, ooh, look how good games look now. Yeah, I suppose when you put it like that, the World War II game is the sort of comfort zone of gaming. And when you're, yeah. and when all you really want to do is showcase technology, you naturally go to your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. But you know, if I think, I guess part of like the problem I have with all these World of Two shooters is that there's so much more interesting stuff you could do with it than Normandy, the French Resistance, and Stalingrad. Uh, yeah, which uh, I, I think we get a little bit of all of those inside of <laughs> inside yeah. of this game, sprinkled with uh, Midway and, and Northern like Africa. I've played like Island. 90 games where you're playing someone who has to do something to ensure that the D-Day landings succeed. <laughs> I mean, blimey. It feels like the success <laughs> of the D-Day landing must have been hanging on a fucking thread. Uh, someone brings this yeah. up. Someone just, uh, Kratos just brought this up in the chat, and uh, it's something I wanted to mention. But you know what was, like, really good? Wolfenstein the New Order. Yes, that's which, one I was going to bring up that that takes the alternate history approach and really runs with it. Which was like, you know, a slightly cartoonish uh, portrayal of World War II stuff, but was actually much more interesting, much more even-handed with the depiction of uh, gender and race mm -hmm. uh, discrimination. And it's actually, it tackles the subject of um, the mental toll of the war on soldiers and people fighting it much more than these World War Two shooters do, and uh -huh. in doing so is like infinitely more interesting. BJ Blazkowicz is a tired motherfucker in those games. Yeah, and you can you can even hear it in his uh, yeah. VO narration in between chapters and everything. And it's funny that they took a character yeah. that's ostensibly just a you know big meathead cipher and they made him genuinely interesting. That was the beauty of it. Shame yeah. what they did from that series going forward, but yeah. Well, I like. Did you like the second one, the New Colossus? It was okay. You know, it was showing its phrase in a couple of places. Yeah. Also, the second one was the Old Blood, but everyone forgets about that. Oh yeah, yeah, the little all the zombies, Nazi zombies. Yeah, and the less said about Young Blood, the better. Yeah, just keep your blood out of here. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. That's the yeah. problem. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Unless it's born, keep your yeah, blood that's... out of here. <laughs> There's only room for one blood here. Yeah. Uh, we have gotten, it also feels like we, uh, like shooters are, are the genre du jour when it comes to World War II, but we do occasionally dabble in other sorts of genres. Well, like we yeah, had plenty uh, of strategy games. Yeah. Company of Heroes. We have a new Company of Heroes coming next year by Relic Company of Heroes 3. And I think that's supposed to focus on Italy and Africa, um, which I guess is slightly you, it's used less often than uh, you know, D-Day in the Pacific. Italy, real, yeah. Real-time real collaboration action. There you go. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and then, granted, it was World War One, but that's just like the Phantom Menace to, to World War Two, so that's fine. But yeah, uh, yeah. do you remember Valiant Hearts from uh, I think it was oh, 2014, yeah. the Ubisoft game? Yeah, I reviewed that. That was really good because it focused yeah, that... on you know characters and people caught up in the war rather than the glory or like narrative weight of the war itself, which was the mistake all the Battlefield World War One games made absolutely absolutely yeah and it did that was one of those uh i think for there was like three games that used that ub arts which was the interesting sort of painterly side scrolling thing that we had in uh, like child of light and some of the rayman games but mm. yeah and i thought that game really handled the uh, uh having a, a large cast that you ping pong between um like an ensemble yeah. i thought that handled it incredibly well as you say like that kind of global adversity which must have felt very pretty apocalyptic at the time is an attractive yeah. setting in the same way the post-apocalypse is, I suppose. I feel like yeah, gonna, I guess they, they do have shades of each other. I feel like if you're going to adjust history to uh, fit what people want from shooters these days, I'd prefer you just invent a new war. Just make up a fictional one. What's wrong with that? Like still in on Earth, though? Or like in a real year? Or just make up like a different planet? Whatever. Let's, let's shoot aliens. You know the weird yeah. what was that weird one Homefront where they make yes. up a war with North Korea and North Korea mm -hmm. was obviously China but they didn't want to say. Yeah. <laughs> so part of me wonders if uh I mean I feel like it's easier to use World War 2 I don't want to say as a crutch but uh as your setting because all of the the table setting is done for you. Like, if you just say, this is a World War II game, then you're like, okay. Yeah, we, all, like, know, we all know where we are yeah. then. If a title card says Hamburg 1945, then you're like, all right, yeah. okay, I know exactly where we are in the story. You don't need to give me any exposition. Like, I'm, I'm good to go here. It's like Star Wars. Yes, exactly. Uh, the Death Star. Yeah. Shortly before <laughs> the Death Star exploded. Okay, I know where we are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have sort of an anchor, whereas uh, if you would create something original or do something futuristic, like, I don't I'm, I'm personally not crazy when Call of Duty does the, the not even modern warfare, but but near future warfare with like infinite warfare and everything. Um, hmm. I don't know, that stuff just doesn't interest me, even though mechanically they're able to do more interesting things with it by by giving you, I don't know, a double jump or you know, wall dashing. That would be strange. Although in the World War II game, just let me wall dash and double jump. That's fine. Like, you know, why not? I mean, yeah. I mean, if we've, if we've, as we've discussed, decided historical accuracy is less important than just using a nice, instantly understandable setting, why not yeah. like make a Rocketeer game? You got a jetpack and you're fighting Nazis with a flamethrower yeah. and a laser gun, yeah. or just have like one, have a have a slight time travel thing where like one Titanfall mech hmm. gets transported back to like uh, uh, you know 1939. And just how's the war impacted by this the, the presence of this one mech and everyone's fighting over the mech? I just really want a Gundam game. So just someone make a good Gundam game, please. You know, thinking about it, maybe just because it is like a, a universal war setting, World War Two, it feels like when they do like invent a war in a new setting, it's basically just World War Two in an on an alien planet or whatever. <sighs> yeah. You have I mean, the could, you have the baddies and they're totally bad. No sympathy for them. And uh, you're on the ground shooting them across no man's land uh -huh. and there's probably a big super weapon going to get dropped at some point yeah i mean world war ii almost feels like the like 
the Joseph Campbell hero of the thousand faces that that you know Star Wars all these myths yes. of Harry Potter all the stuff is based it's on like the, World War Two the several million heroes of a thousand faces yeah yeah and uh, yeah World War Two feels like it's like the the lines in World War Two feel so clear cut that it almost feels like it was um, fiction in the way where like we were talking about before how um, there's such clear cut good guys bad guys and then the the venoms uh but it's like easy for storytelling yeah. um in a way that i don't know war since has been easy for storytelling and obviously we say easy but clearly it's not easy for storytelling i mean like if you're making a sci-fi game and you just make it world war Two again you're missing an opportunity to explore themes that maybe world war Two didn't explore like uh, what if yeah. you what if you were fighting a war against a hive mind mm-hmm it's- like I guess that's come up in video games, and never feels like they've really addressed what that would be like, where every single soldier instantly knows what every other enemy soldier knows. Yeah, and that's sort of like taken the taking the uh, uh, mass uh, propaganda of the war and, and taking it to the next level of where, like, not only do the people believe this thing, but the people are literally interconnected by this, you know, thought and idea. What if you were? What if you were fighting a war? against a villain that's like set up a hive mind but being in the hive mind is really nice so like half half the people on the sympathetic side have like voluntarily gone over it because they want to live in a happy world and now their bodies are being used uh, to fight um, their former friends and family but their minds are off in paradise somewhere but if you kill the body the mind dies this is the kind of matrixy now i'm worried yeah no one's now explored, I'm worried. no one's explored the sort of mental toll that sort of war would take yeah and yeah, like I and I feel like killing the people would be even worse because then you'd be like removing them from their from their ignorant bliss. Yeah, you don't want to do that. Exactly. Yeah. That's just one idea we could explore if we weren't shackled to World War Two all the time. Yeah, and it's it's funny because World War Two is a, a weird thing where it feels like we get, especially in the like uh, you know Call of Duty early Call of Duty era and in Battlefield Forty Two. Um, and then, uh, what do we have around then? Like brothers in arms. Mm. Uh, it feels like, uh, those pendulum swings happen that we see a lot in games where people got sick of world war two and it's like, we want a different era. And then, you know, post nine 11, people were like, well, we want to do modern games. And then they did modern games and then people were like, no, we're sick of this. We need to go back. We need to go back to world war two. Then we swing back and it's, mm. yeah, I don't know if it's just ebbs and flows, but it, it feels like it's something that uh, North Star that we're always going to eventually go back to. Yeah. And I guess that modern warfare trend didn't last because that always felt very icky to me. I mean, in the, yeah, I mean, I, in the first one, Call of Duty 4, that was quite good because it did sort of explore more sort of morally gray areas. Yeah. But then after a while, it was just Russians bad or Middle Eastern terrorists bad. Mm-hmm. We the goodies and goodies are always good. Yeah, yeah. And it was sort of towing the company line of the time, or at least the American yeah. company line of the time of, of post, like I mentioned, post 9-11, where um, people wanted to create this sort of boogeyman and, and other and, I mean, and, yeah, and, and even, feeling like we're safe. Even when they invented a boogeyman for, um, what was that one with Jon Snow in it? The one where the villains were like from Mars. Oh, uh, was that, was that in, advanced warfare or infinite warfare? I think it was infinite. Not advanced. Yeah. Advanced was the one with Kevin Spacey. 
Infinite. We don't talk about that. we don't talk about that one. <laughs> Infinite was the one with uh, with Kit Harrington in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's even right. in that case, they like they invented this enemy that were like invading Earth, and the enemy still mm-hmm. seemed like the underdogs. Like these were like these like scrappy survivors who've been living on Mars were now upset that Earth would like abandon them. Yeah, it it almost seemed like it should have been one of those things where you're like, well, should we have been playing as those guys? Like- yeah, it was like we were playing we were playing against the good faction in the red faction games. Yeah, interesting. It's all it's all about perspective, isn't it? Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Um. I'm trying to think. Have there been uh, have there been games that have really touted realism in terms of World War II? Like, what was uh, Red Orchestra? Was that a game that was supposed to be like the more realistic? Um, I think option compared to Call of Duty or, or yeah, Battlefield. I think any game where you could play as either the Allies or the Nazis would probably lean a bit more realistic. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Then, and I, I feel think- like that's a have there been any like Call of Duty World War shooters where you play as the Nazis? Not counting multiplayer modes before you before you say that, you big smart asses. It's if not, it seems almost wild to me that they haven't had at least especially in a I mean a campaign like this where granted you're 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 ping ponging between members of the same the team, the the Vanguard squad, but uh it seems weird to me that you haven't like I don't know in uh again Battlefield uh World War One, but Battlefield One also had the the whole war stories thing where you played as these little vignettes of different characters and i'm not sure if yeah and you were was there a did you play as germans at any point in that you played as i don't remember did you you did play like one of the like enemy factions in that though didn't you at one point no am i misremembering i i, I, I legitimately cannot remember even though i played through that entire no, game. i think i'm confused because you play as an italian at one point but the italians were on the side of the allies in world war one yeah that's right yeah, I think that that might have been it. Yeah, yeah. Because what was what was Call of Duty One? Because I remember being thrown in Call of Duty One because the intro cinematic of Battlefield One mm-hmm. has like a sequence where a Allied soldier and a German soldier sort of like make eye contact over the battlefield and then decide not to kill each other. Mm-hmm. And then in the like the very next like campaign mission, you play as it's the one where you play as like a tank battalion. And then yeah. the Nazis, the, the German soldiers in that, I almost said Nazis there, but that's not right, is it? <laughs> the German soldiers are treated like like the aliens in Aliens, where they're all crawling all over the tank trying to get inside, and everyone's like heroically committing suicide to kill them all. Oh, uh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, and then there was one chapter where you were Lawrence of Arabia. Or that's right. I remember someone that. Someone hanging out with Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. Yeah, I think like Lawrence was a character in that, wasn't he? Yeah. Like Yeah, shows how yeah. memorable these campaigns were, I suppose. All sort of and this was together. only Yeah, and this was only what, four or five years ago, I think. We either were Lawrence of Arabia or we weren't. Mm-hmm. Well that was the one where you play as like a female sniper. Always the snipers, aren't they, when they when they work women into these uh Yeah, that's funny. The same thing with this game too. Yeah. Yeah. Why is yeah, that? I wonder. Why is that? Is it I don't know. like just before we go into comments, shall we debate why women are always snipers in these games? Is it a penis is envy it, thing? A, <laughs> obviously, a penis envy thing. No, I guess it's uh, to. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Like, because maybe they think people would think it's unrealistic if they have to be like in the trenches lifting things. I don't know. Well, there's the sort of misguided concept of the strong female character where the female character always has to be effortlessly better than all the boys and snipers were always like the more skilled soldiers, mm-hmm. generally presented as. 
the more skilled soldiers. Yeah. And even in this character or in this game, the uh, the the Russian sniper played by uh, Laura Bailey had is the only character who has the ability to like scramble up walls and it's like in predetermined uh, locations and everything. But it's like the That's closest right. thing the game has to a superhero. Or, That's right. Snipers you know, need a hours. bit of mobility to uh, switch positions. Yeah, snipers knew how to double jump, whereas yeah, the rest and, of the soldiers didn't. And to get into hard to reach spots. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see uh, how this Call of Duty sells. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be the best-selling game of the year, regardless. Well, it certainly scared it... off every other fucking release, except Halo, <laughs> yeah. before Christmas this year. Yeah. Well, we also have Battlefield, but that's no. there's no single player. And I that's... am not playing Battlefield this year. There you go. Piss there off. You go. Touch that stone oh, wow. too many times. <laughs> only playing, I'm only playing Vanguard because there's literally nothing else. Uh, yeah, Battlefield doesn't have a campaign either. It's all all multiplayer, and it's that near future. And well, the campaigns like you can, all you can fight a tornado. Campaigns are feeling kind of token, aren't they? And most of the people who play these games on long term don't play them for the campaigns. Uh, no, I mean, like I, I think literally the, this campaign is what took me four and a half hours long, um, or took me four and a half hours. And uh, while I was very happy with that, I would imagine that. You know, the people who are spending $60, $70 on this aren't doing it for the four-and-a-half-hour campaign, but rather the well, yes. infinite multiplayer. Which is also strange, though, because then you have Warzone, which is just free. And there's free Call of Duty that you could download, so... Yeah, I don't know. Well, they'll get their money somehow. I'm not too worried That's about the them. They'll be fine. the part of it all. They'll be fine. All right, those uh, Super Chats coming in thick and fast, so we'd better start tackling them. Remember, your Super thick Chats do support the site. So, so we do appreciate them all, and uh, this is the point in the podcast where we start reading them all from the start. So if you want mm -hmm. a specific question answered or want a specific thing read out, get them in now, you lovely, lovely people with all your fat wallets. <laughs> with all your fat fannies. Fanny flaps. Fat yes. Fanny flaps. Yes, fat fanny flaps. There you go. Hate it. Oh, I've had too many cakes this year, my lord. <laughs> and now I'm very fat. Why do I feel like this is going to be a new character in Adventurers Now? That's on Jack. <laughs> Although now you mention it, there's like an unreleased episode that has a character along these lines. Well, there you go. But that's something else to look forward to. Mikhail mm -hmm. Brink Frederiksen gives 50. Um, Danish Cronin, I think, to say, long-time fan, first-time Super Chatter, wondering how best to support you, as in what membership sees most of the money going to you guys, YouTube or Escapist Plus? I don't actually know. I think Escapist Plus would logically be the one that supports us more. I would imagine, yeah. I YouTube think, yeah, obviously yeah. would take a cut of the YouTube membership. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but just uh, sliding money under our front doors is the best way, like in yeah. uh, nondescript envelopes. Yeah, um, those are the best way to to support us. Yes, uh, yeah, I think Escape is plus, but uh, at the, at at the same time, any everything helps. Yeah. So whether it's whether it's a little Twitch digits or, or or super chats or anything. If you don't have money, then you can always retweet, like, subscribe. It all feeds mm -hmm. the algorithm and comment. Yeah, on that one as well. Yeah, exactly. You can all do your bit. Do your bit <laughs> against Bally Jerry by Jingo. What is happening? Jerry, in this context, being a metaphor for us not having money. Mm. Uh, Ad gives 40 Indian rupees to say, Hey, Yatsi, you and Ashen's enthusiast. 
not really. I know of him. I think I watched a couple of his videos. Not really the sort of thing I felt moved to binge watch. I know we have pretty similar voices, but there you go. I, I, I thought Ashen was, well, Ashen was a video game from a couple of years ago. That's, so for a second, I thought it was that. Thing. Ashen's is okay. a British YouTuber. There used to be gotcha. so many of us. We used to have, it was like we had a little card ray. With me, Jim Sterling, and Total Biscuit as the father, the son, and the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Good old days. Good, good old days. Now everyone's on YouTube. And everyone with a funny accent immediately gets more views. So it's more, of, all a, it more of a demographic than a Knights of the Round Table thing. Yeah. <laughs> Ethan Gutman gives 499 US to say, Do you guys think society's view on war has been shaped by Call of Duties and other FPS's black and white view of geopolitics? Well, that was something I was implying earlier when mm -hmm. I was saying that uh, depicting war in this sort of makes modern audiences misremember these things and could feed attitudes like the ones that say racism was never a big deal. Yeah, I think it's less society being shaped by Call of Duty and more the, like, it's a two-way thing. I think Call of Duty is also shaped by yeah society's views on these things. You can't get finger-waggy at the games with these things because the, the audience demands the games they get and all that. Yeah, yeah, and... Uh... And like we said, especially in these these things that you know hundreds of million dollar of dollars are are being thrown at, and and investors demand a new one every fall. Um, you have to sort of paint with broad strokes because taking risks, I think, is too risky when you have to answer to the investors. So it feels like uh, the the indie space is probably one of the rare spaces that you can see people actually do different and interesting things there here. You um, Support yeah. your indies, everyone. Exactly. Uh, Zulith gives $5 to say, Yahtzee, I was wondering what your thoughts are on video games tackling alternative history, like, for example, if the Germans won World War II. I'm very much in favour of it, because it gave us Wolfenstein the New Order, which was really good. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not inherently a good thing, but certainly good things can be done with it. Yeah, and it, uh, it, it can come off as, like, pretty, I don't know, lazy's not the right word, but, like, oh, I've seen this before. Um... But if done right, like you mentioned Wolfenstein, I really like the second Wolfenstein because that goes even further past World War II into like what the 60s would have been like in, uh, you know, 50s and 60s in the U.S. And, and, you know, seeing what small town America was like. And yeah, I thought that was interesting. Uh, Andrew Hickenbottom gives three British pounds to say, pitch your Spandau prison idea to Activision Yards. Did I ever tell you about that? I don't think so. I brought it up in Dev Diary a couple of times. But I had an idea to make a sort of comedy dating sim set in Spandau Prison where you get to okay. pick one of the seven high-ranking Nazis who were imprisoned there after the Nuremberg trials and romance them over the course of an unforgettable summer. Oh my god. Well, it's probably one of those okay. ideas that's funnier in concept than execution. And I've probably yeah. thought, and, and I've as I've said, that was sort of sort of a throwaway idea you just hash out to amuse your itch.io followers. And now I've yeah. thought, I've thought too much about it to actually make it. Yeah, yeah. I could. I, I think this would. I think it'd be fine. People are uh, people are always horny for for dating in games, and so uh, uh, where better to to really embrace that than <laughs> spend out prison? Dateable Nazis. Yeah. Do you prefer Rudolf Hess or Albert Speer? Who's your husband? Do. <laughs> 
Are you gonna so you're gonna get similar like uh, waifu debates over uh, uh, in the same way people argue over like who the best persona waifu is? It's who the best Spandau yeah. husband who is. You'd probably get that if you recast them all as anime girls. Uh, see, there you go. Now I think you're onto something. Yeah. Now I think Activision will bite at that. Anime girl. Uh, what was his name? Carl Dernitz. Anime girl <laughs> Carl Dernitz, who wears a sailor hat. Uh, stop it. I'll be tempted to make it again. Yeah. Stop. I feel like Activ like you said, though, Activision probably isn't the, the best one to, no, to pitch this no. to. Yeah. Who published Hatoful Boyfriend? Probably those guys. See, there you go. Or like Boyfriend Dungeon or, yeah. People can handle it. Short, uh, Storm Templar gives 199 the US to say, can we get Call of Duty 1066? Got to answer William. Well, that's not, that wasn't really a black and white war, was it? I mean, the Norman invasion was an aggressive invasion of the of England, but it shaped British culture for the rest of time. So who knows? It is, uh, I mean, I, I understand why we don't, but it is interesting that Call of Duty has never gone Medieval. earlier than World War II. Yeah, or even like uh, Civil War, Revolutionary War. I mean, obviously it's because these yeah, they're shooters. You know, the weapons there aren't very fun. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then, then I mean, we still kind of saw about the prevalence of machine guns in World War One games. Yeah. Handheld well, I feel machine like guns, could, no less. I feel like you could just uh, just like uh, uh, go back to the Crusades and just give them all guns. That's fine. Like, no one, like, you don't have to be historically accurate. Gatling, handheld hand Gatling ballista. Yeah, see? That's great. Made of I feel, like that's, I feel like that's something that, like, Leonardo da Vinci would have made for Ezio in one of the uh, uh, Assassin's Creed games. And you're like, yeah, that's fine. He did have a gun, didn't he? I don't think Leonardo da Vinci made it. He had a little yeah. uh, hidden derringer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Val Jean gives 100 Indian rupees to say, never played Call of Duty, just showing my support. On an unrelated note, what does Terragorn look like? I was having trouble picturing him. This is a, a reference to one of my books. And Ooh. in answer to that question, um, you know the alien character from American Dad? <laughs> it looks like yeah. him, but with disturbingly realistic flesh-coloured skin and little black beady eyes. That's how I pictured him. Because the, like the alien from American Dad has like the the standard Gray's head, right? Yeah, big head, sort of little like short legs and chubby body. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what I pictured when I was. Oh, but like, it. but realistic. Oh, that's just yeah. real, like real, real looking flesh. Yeah, real flesh and little black beady eyes. Not like that at all. And very, very socially awkward. Oh, that's gross. <laughs> Alan Gwet gives $5 US, no comment, just some money. Thanks very much for the money, oh, Alan Gwet. Alan, thank you. Aga Wagger gives five British pounds to see Battlefield V had the really short war story as played as a German tank crew that was like mm. the, de the denial of fighting in 1945 in ruined German city. Well, I didn't well, play that one. I don't remember that one. I remember Battlefield 1's cam campaigns. I definitely don't remember the... I remember 5 had the... the that was, like that they was did confusing. the war stories thing. That was confusing. Didn't V come after one? Yeah, and one was it was the it was just the number one. Like it wasn't a, a numeral or anything. And then yeah, uh, and then we had V afterwards. It's the Xbox One all over again. Well, and it's also the the rumored Call of Duty for next year is Modern Warfare Two. 
because they made the Modern Warfare a few years ago. And none, then of this makes, a... none of this makes sense. Remember when they named the Xbox 360 that because they didn't want to sound like they were lagging behind the PlayStation 3? Yeah. Then the, the and then what Xbox happened with the next was, one? The next Xbox was the <laughs> Xbox One. Funny old yeah. world. Yeah. <laughs> Names. How do they work? SVS Guru 2000 gives 20 euros to say, what I'd want to see is a AAA Spunk Gargle Wee Wee game with America as the clear villain, but with no secret cabal, no mind control, no conspiracy, just a depiction of the result of current political trajectories. Well, this, well, this kind of has mind control and conspiracy, so maybe blow me out of the water, but have you ever played Haze? Uh, no, I, I remember it existing as advertisements, but I don't yeah. think I ever played it. I always think Haze felt kind of like what you'd get if you made a game like a contemporary shooter where the Americans were the villain. Interesting. Was that by an, an American developer or, or probably a European developer, I would I've, imagine? I have no idea. But yeah, like the plot deals with all the soldiers are being like... They're on like a drug that makes them not see enemy bodies so they don't you know, they don't get distracted from the death or glory, love, bloodlust, yeah, sort of things. Yeah. Oh, that was uh, that was Free Radicals last game. So um, that's oh. the the folks who did uh, Time Splitters and Second Sight oh, before they became they were, Crisis UK. They were always a thoughtful bunch. Second yeah, Sight, yeah. underappreciated gem. I always thought. Yeah, I completely agree. We got uh, Second Sight, and then there was another. Uh, what was the, there was a third person sort of telekinesis game around Psyops. then too. Psyops, yeah. yeah, yeah. Those games, I think, came out in the same season or two. and That wasn't so Yeah, good. those were... No, no, not so much. Second Sight was amazingly good. I rented it for a blockbuster once, like, on a whim. Yeah. And I was just surprised at how much I enjoyed it. I never actually played Time Splitters. Oh, yeah. man. Time Splitters is great. It's supposed like they're working on a new one. That's nice. Hmm. Uh, Alan Guert again gives five dollars to saying, "I'm talking to myself in the future when I watch this, and I'm not at work." You rock! Oh my god! Okay. This is time travel. Is this so how time travel works? So he wasn't saying us that we were telling us that we rock. He was telling himself in the future that he rocks. Well, I'm going to tell you in the future that you don't rock. What are you going to do about that? You, <laughs> you suck, Alan Guert. I uh, when uh, Animal Crossing. The new one first came out. It was right at the beginning of the pandemic, and you can send yourself letters into the future. And oh. so I sent myself a letter one year into the future that said, "I hope the pandemic's over." <laughs> and I opened it up. You know, I was like, "No shit, nope, still not over." Oh, I remember like there was a service that did the rounds ages ago that would send you a letter like ten years from now, oh, and, I'd, and I'd and I did that, and then I got it after ten years of having yeah. completely forgotten that I'd like used the service. That's incredible. And it, said, I, and it said, I hope you're doing okay. I hope you've had a book published at last. And then I felt, that's amazing. And I felt a bit weird. Oh, that's really nice. What if it like got, got things like a little too right? Would you have been a little freaked out? Probably. Yeah. That's how I, that's how I feel about uh, time capsules. Like I think time how's, capsules in the moment. How's your are... tendonitis future, Yahtzee? <laughs> Is that, how's that CPAP working out for you? Not terribly well so far. Oh, no! The mass of the game was too small. I'm trying to get a bigger one. It was uh, supposed to be the chosen one. Yeah, yeah. Still, I'm not giving up this that easily. There you go. I'm not going to use it anymore until I get a better mask, because I feel like yeah. I'm going to die <laughs> from lack of sleep. Um... 
where were we? Agawaga gives five British pounds to say continued. It was like three missions long, so it felt like wasted effort to try and tell a story about humanizing Nazis. Oh, okay then. Oh, that's the second part of the Battlefield Five yeah. short war story. Gotcha. Uh, Doran Grossman Naples gives five US dollars to say, I think the only way you could get away with playing as Nazis is if you showed how awful they were, a la Spec Ops The Line, and that might be too gruesome. Well, let's let's remember how gruesome they were. Might well, stop there being Nazis these days, if we like, yeah. remembered a few things like that. Remember, yeah. like, the, the camps were only a part of it. Remember, like, what they were doing before the camps? Yeah, The Ersatzgruppen, where they just round up everyone in a village and take them out into the woods and shoot them in the head. Go, yeah, there's, there's a movie called Come and See you should, you yeah, should watch if you want to. Yeah, one of the, it's one of the most harrowing war movies ever made. Yeah, if you want to get the gist on that. Yeah. Uh, Clone Tool gives a 50 kroner, Danish, I think, to say could be interesting with colonial forces like New Zealand Pathfinders, Gurkhas, or French North African troops. Well, yes, as we said, there were, there were many, many, many theatres of war in the Second mm -hmm. World War. Yeah. People only ever focus on, like, the last year of the war. D-Day, Stalingrad, and uh, Berlin yeah. and all that. I mean, is that just a very, um, like, yeah, I mean, American-centric thing of, like, the war began with Pearl Harbor. Yeah, probably. That was the first event of the war. Nothing bad happened before that. Yeah. 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 Even when I was a kid, I, like, got irked whenever I heard American media talk about the war starting in 1942. Yeah. <laughs> Invasion of Poland, assholes. There you go. Tommy Salty knows all about that. Uh, hang on, I need to refresh the list. We've had a few more. Yes. Uh, Emmanuel Sanchez Tovar gave us five US dollars to say, what about an isekai that occurred during World War II? Do you think Activision will develop it and name it Call of the Senpai? <laughs> well, what are, you, what are you proposing there? Are you proposing, like, a... Uh, a soldier in World War Two getting transported to a fantasy world, or uh, someone in the modern day, like a Japanese high school student, getting transported into World War Two. Yeah, I guess either direction could work, but it would create a very different thing. Well, the um, Japanese student would probably be instantly killed. That's true. Yes, uh, there was uh, there was a really great. Uh, game last year called uh, 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim, which is like part visual novel, part uh, mech tactics game, but a very interesting anime story with a bunch of different characters. Mm. But uh, one of the characters was a, uh, a, a young man during uh, a Japanese kid during World War II who got transported into the, the modern day mech shenanigans. And so it was him having to sort of deal with uh, the fish out of water things of. of what Japan, you know, what Tokyo is like now, as opposed to what it was like in the, you know, forties. Yeah, you could do something interesting with like a World War soldier getting pulled out of that setting and having to deal with something more fantastical. Did you ever play Clive Barker's Jericho? Uh, I did. Yeah, There's yeah. A whole chapter with the uh, World War One soldiers who've been pulled out of time and having to fight off demons in one particular like shot yeah. of the yeah. multi-dimensional thing that was going on in that game. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I I think they could you can meld sci fi with World War Two to to give it a little bit of life. Like I'm thinking of uh in like sort of the, the, the 
the high bar for a shooter campaign, in my opinion, in the last probably 10 years is Titanfall 2. And uh, they have the the uh, level with the where you're flopping between the two time periods. Mm. And so being able to sort of introduce a mechanic like that into a World War II setting where you're, you know, either flipping from uh, what Germany or France was like then compared to now or, or even like, a, you know, a couple dozen years in the future. I think that could be something interesting and different, but I don't know if that would provide the grounding that people are looking for. Hmm. What an interesting discussion we got out of the Isekai thing. <laughs> fill my ass up. Very droll, fill my ass up. Gives 50 <laughs> Norwegian kroner to say, COD have pretty much done everything in terms of the setting in their games. What can they do to shake up the formula? How about not a shooter? Yeah. How, how about a World War II game where you have to manage resources in a field hospital? Not, and not use too much urine-soaked gauze too early. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think even simple things of of going from first person to third person could change things mechanically quite a bit. Um, hmm. That said, I, I think it is such a sturdy ship that they don't want to rock it at all. And I think, despite us thinking that the the field hospital game sounds like an incredible idea, uh, I don't I don't know if that's going to sell. You could do the, it the like one of them shop million? management sims. You know, those okay. ones, those ones mums like. Yeah. So just to, uh, like uh, deal with all the customers coming in, seat, get them seated and take their order. Yeah. Stardew Valley, but in a, a, a field hospital during the war. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can introduce the dating again. Yeah. That's what Call of, Duty, Call of Duty mostly just needs to introduce a dating sim element to yeah. the games. Like grim and gritty Stardew Valley, where you fall in love with someone and then they get shot by the Nazis off screen. Yeah. That's how it happened. The, uh, the, the rumors with that uh, next year's Modern Warfare 2 is that it's like a, a new engine and that it's like focusing on realism and gore and like guns jamming. And all of that, I'm like, that doesn't sound fun to play at all. No. I don't need my guns to jam. Yeah, there's a reason why they dropped that from out of Far Cry. Yeah, exactly. Well, I guess, you know, that sort of thing appeals to niches, like um, armor. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, like almost punishment games. Yeah, I almost, I, I'd almost classify it as a dad game, if you want that level of realism. Uh, as a dad game, interesting. Dad's, yeah. dad's, dad games are games that sort of like aggressively recreate something to appeal to dads who've retired from the thing they used to do, like truck okay. simulators and train simulators. <laughs> yeah. Would, uh, like, do, do grand strategy games? I mean, does like Civilization, is that a dad game? Like for retired Gandhis? I wouldn't like if you retired as Gandhi and you want to be able to relive your Gandhi glory days? Well, I guess if you're Gandhi, then yeah. World Force, <laughs> like, a Civilization would be a dad game in that case. But I, I usually classify, like, stuff like Forklift Simulator and okay. shit like that. And armor feels like something for, you know, people who miss the soldier life. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move on. Miles Mann gives $4.99 US dollars to say, missed doing a super chat last week. Would Brutal Legend be a troll game? Starts off as a hack and slash, then turns into RTS. I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't say so. I would say that's, no. that's more like bad design for me. Yeah, I don't think they were doing it to try to trick the player. I no. think it's just 
they wanted to do two separate things and instead of doing one thing well they did two things yeah you got to worry about mediocre. trying to bring together two genres because those genres have separate audiences and uh, basically mm -hmm. your target audience will be the venn diagram overlap which is always yeah. going to be a lot smaller than either circle yeah 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 that's a good point well uh i guess this is the last super chat so no more after this they won't be read out we're going to wrap things up after this one so andrew hickenbottom oh. gives five british pounds to say have you seen world war ii rebuilder on steam it's like house flipper but after the war has messed stuff up i haven't but that uh, actually sounds pretty interesting that sounds genuinely interesting yeah yeah because oh, yeah. i like i like I kind of like cleanup games, viscera cleanup yeah. detail and house flipper and all that. That was a neat one. That yeah. was a super neat one. Oh, I think you actually missed two super chats right before this. Did I? There's two between miles and this. There's a scavenger and an SVS guru. Huh. Do you want me to read them out? Funny. They're not appearing on the um, super chat list on the... Uh, yeah, the... I just have them open in the regular chat chat. Oh, they, so. oh they've shown up now. How strange. Uh, yeah. There you go. Make sure I haven't missed any others. Just quickly, no, I, think, I right. think you got. Yeah, I was scrolling down the chat, and I, th I don't think you missed any. Okay, scavenger. But uh, yeah, World War Two Rebuilder sounds like fun. Maybe I'll give it a go. Scavenger yeah, gives five dollars to say almost missed the podcast. Ooh, perish the thought, scavenger. <laughs> to build off another super chat, would an would a America is the bad guy shooter be the Avatar game we're supposed to get? Uh, again, we're talking about James Cameron's Avatar, not. Avatar The Last Airbender, I assume. <laughs> yeah, well, you hope so. Uh, um, yeah, maybe. I can't I mean, that's, imagine. That's more like very obviously evoking uh, Native American conflict. Yeah, yeah the whole Pocahontas story. Um, yeah, not so much the way like uh, the modern American army functions. And especially that game is being developed by Ubisoft, which I don't, I mean, aside from the aforementioned Valiant Hearts, which feels like more of an anomaly for Ubisoft than anything, I don't um, think Ubisoft's really going to have any teeth when it comes to... Uh, remember when the big publishers put a little money aside for little risky indie projects? Yeah. Remember when a tentpole was actually a tentpole, as in there to support everything else, rather yeah. than before like, empty was, tent. everything was just tentpoles, as far as the eye could see. Yeah, yeah. If everything's a tentpole, nothing's a tentpole. Uh, yeah, I think me and Jack have talked about this. Yeah. Ten I think we came up with a slogan. Tentpoles, not crucifixes. We want to see tents, not the fucking uh, Garden of Gethsemane. With, like, <laughs> crucifixes of, with games on them, as far as the eye can see. Yeah. Tentpoles, not crucifixes. Perfect. And uh, SVS Guru 2000 gives five euros to say, I believe the story of a Japanese high school student transported to World War II setting is called Saga of Tanya the Evil. Oh, of course, they've already done it. They've done everything else. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure enough. Well, so there, goes, there goes our million-dollar idea. I always figured, like, one of the key elements of the isekai genre is that the person who's transported to the fantasy world has some kind of uh, advantage that they brought with them. So what would that be in a World War II setting? Like, uh, you got a smartphone with Google Maps on it, so you can see where all the bombs are dropping. There you go, yeah. But I guess somehow, like, the internet infrastructure would also need to be transported with you. Well, if that so other like... guy gets away with it, then so can we. You know, the one where, like, <laughs> the hero has a smartphone from the, from the, from the real world, and it still yeah. works somehow in the fantasy world. Yeah, 
That's fine. You don't I forget need, what no it's called. Rules. It's some incredibly long, stupid title that has smartphone in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, someone will know it. Kids love the isekai. I'm telling you. Let's let's just count the seconds while someone posts it in the chat. One, <laughs> two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Come on, you let me down here, chat. Nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 13, 14, 15, you're a bit, you're quite a bit behind chat, turns out. 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, blimey I'm surprised by how long this is taking. Place your bets everyone. 21, 22, 23, 24, 20, in another world with my smartphone. Thank you Shashank7170. That can't be the actual name of the thing. That's just a description of the thing. That's 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 how Isakai's <laughs> titled Isakai, these yeah. days. Oh god, dang! I'm a slime. Twenty-four. Who had twenty-four? <laughs> well, uh, I guess uh, that'll be the end of this of this podcast. And thanks for coming along to join us for yeah. this conversation that started off being about World War Two. And ended up being about in another world with my smartphone. Thanks for the two pounds, Mythical Dragon Gaming. But I'm not going to read out your comment because you weren't listening. Oh no! Uh, but thank you very much. Thank you for the support. We love you. Uh, I was Yahtzee Croshaw, and I am Marty Sleva. And I will see you all tomorrow for uh, Zero Punctuation and the Post CP stream. Can, can we'll... you tell people what it is? Um, actually, I think I will. We're going to do The Good Life, the new game that Swery put out, not to be confused by the British sitcom of the same name. No. Although that would be pretty funny if you actually did a ZP on the sitcom and not, uh... Well, that certainly would have been trolling. Is The Good Life, is The Good Life a dad game? No. It's, uh, it's a Swery game. He's in his own little world, that boy. <laughs> Those are definitely not dad games. So I'll see you all for that stream. Where mm-hmm. will we be seeing you next, Maddie? Oh my gosh! Oh, tomorrow we're doing. Uh, we have we have another stream um, earlier on in the day. We have uh, uh, we're partnering for the Thunderful Games live stream. Um, Thunderful is a developer and publisher, and they're working on games like uh, Planet of Lana, which. Uh, was a really cool looking indie game that we saw earlier this summer at E3, as well as The Gunk by SteamWorld. Um, so we're going to be doing our standard pre-show, post-show nonsense for that. Uh, it'll start at 12.45 uh, p.m. Central Time tomorrow, and uh, it'll well, probably an hour total or so. So won't impact post-CP at all, but yeah, tune in for that. Should be fun. Oh, yes, mm-hmm. and, uh, as Scavenger points out, Extra Punctuation will be out on YouTube on thursday and a new episode of adventure is nigh on the site yeah so that's a lot of stuff to look forward to make sure you subscribe to uh, be sure you don't miss it thanks for all the super chats and things and later later today at the normal stream time so an hour and a half from now uh i think casey and jesse are going to be streaming a hidden gem i don't know what it is but it'll be hidden and a gem. Tune in to find out what that hidden gem is. Mm-hmm. It's a mystery box. It's <laughs> like in Lost. Oh my god. That's how you bring Can them we... in. I hope it's the Lost game. 
last video done was by, by Ubisoft. Oh god, I didn't even know there was a lost game. Oh, it's very bad. I'm sure it was. <laughs> Bye everyone. Bye everyone.